part of the media ministry of Cornerstone Church. You can listen to this and other messages on our website at www.corner-stone.org or by subscribing to our podcast. Well, this morning, open your Bibles to First Peter. 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 Chapter 2. We're going to look at two verses. And, uh, and I'm telling you that even though we're only going to cover two verses... Uh, honestly, this should be like a five-week series just for verse 9 and just for verse 10. It's just really rich stuff. And, and I feel an obedience to, to get through First Peter before the return of Christ somehow. <laughs> At the same time, there's something about we really could really delve into that because it is really, really rich. So I, I implore you to go back and kind of study what some of these phrases. We're going to hit the highlights of those. And um, But uh, just good stuff this morning. Uh, anybody know what the number one gift was? Um, uh, I think that you have to say expensive gift or, or somewhat expensive because I'm sure there's little trinkets and stuff that was maybe sold more quantity. But the, the number one gift this past Christmas season, especially to adults, anybody know? A Not a blender. The gift certificate? No. Apple Watch. Not an Apple Watch? No. Believe it or not, and it's really a cool, cool gift. Do you know? No, not a Bible. These uh, DNA things. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's all kinds of different ones. That uh, it, There's a lot of different companies. It used to be like just one company, and you would somehow send that off to, to them. And they would tell you that you are this, 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 and this. And basically they would tell you, okay, here, based on your DNA, this is kind of your family tree and your structure that goes back for centuries and centuries. And you would kind of know who you are. And you can see the commercials. And, you know, this one lady's on there. She goes, now that I know who my people are. And they give you this little report. As you send it off, they give you a report that comes back that looks kind of like this next slide there. Like that, 47.1% Northwest European, 28.2% uh, Chinese, 212 Southeast Asia, 26 Southern European. So you can say, okay, based on this, I, I never knew that I was part Chinese or that I had some Southeast Asian you know, heritage in me. And all of a sudden you get this report back, and I think it's pretty accurate. I haven't heard you know, studies about that hey, they really messed up and... Uh, but people have been somewhat surprised to find out kind of their lineage and their heritage and their people. That maybe they had the number one, hey, I'm predominantly this. But some people have found out that they have some Native American Indian uh, blood and, and context there. And they said, you know, I feel connectedness to it. So here's the thing, guys. We do this. And why was the number one gift? Well, it's kind of the hot thing out there right now. But do you know that deep within us, there's a desire for you and I to be part of a people? When we were born, part of our human nature, the very nature and the cognitive thought that God has given us, we want to belong and we want to have a people. And it can come in any form or fashion. Sometimes it comes in the form and fashion of the sports world. It can be the people that, you know, uh, again, as convenient it is to watch, let's say, a, a UGA home football game, college football game. And in one way, it's kind of convenient to watch it at home. It's not hot. It's not cold. You're not paying $20 for a Coke, different things like that. You know, there's a convenience there. 
But how many people, given the choice between watching on TV and going to UGA and, and being there at the field with 100,000, 80,000, however many people it is that see the, you know, how many of you would pick that you want to be part of the people that day? Just kind of raise your hand. Okay, yeah. There's something that you can't get on TV. Your team, you can still cheer, you can still applaud, you can still see that. You get to watch replay. You get to do some things that you don't get by being there. But one thing you miss has been being part of the people. And there's something about going. I, I can remember one time that I was at a Braves game, and it was back in uh, uh, right around 1980. It was either 79, 80. And it's when they set the record for 13 straight wins to start the season. And a buddy of mine just we stopped in. Uh, that night, and we decided to go, and we were there, and all of a sudden, because the Braves were you know, going to set a record, and they were winning, and they were beating this team, all of a sudden, the people that you did not even know that were sitting behind you and beside you, they were your best friends. I mean, all of a sudden, there would be a single or a run driven, and everybody's high-fiving, and you don't even know their names, and yet, for that moment, you're what? A people. Man, we're Braves fans. The Braves are going to win. And there's this camaraderie that's in, that goes beyond just the intellectual level. It kind of goes down to the very soul. You get to be a people. Well, folks, that did not, you didn't come up with that on your own. God created you. Part of being made in the image of God, when it talks about that we're made in the image of God, he made us for community. He made us for relationship. And he made us with the desire that we want to be a part of a people. And we do that on a lot of different levels. We do that. That's why we love family, and family is very important to us. That's one reason why it's good for you to be here this morning as opposed to just listen to a podcast. Well, one of the things, uh, uh, I did a wedding several years ago. Great young couple. They love Jesus well. They love Jesus really well. And I've seen her growing up and everything. And she posted on Facebook last week. And uh, they were in bed with pajamas. And it was just showing kind of the, the, the TV was out here, and it just showed the covers and pajamas. And, and she said, you know, with my loved one, ready to, and Andy Stanley was going to come on, and he was about to preach. And she said, ready to, to, to do church, and kind of, you get that. And I'm going, you know, man, I love that she loves Jesus. I just love, and I, I'm going, okay, is this the future that we've made getting information as important as having community. Hey, guys, if you are sick this morning and all you could do is listen to podcasts, please turn on Andy Stanley or anybody else. Make sure that they're all preaching the gospel and they're rooting it. That is fine. But would you agree that as convenient as that is for some days, and it was kind of almost overcast and rainy day, how many of you were tempted if we videocast this live right now, if we stream this live, how many of you would have said, Sounds like a deal to me, Pastor, you know, in my pajamas right now, you know, sitting in the bed. And as convenient and as much as that appeals to one side of us, there is something deeper within us that needs community. You were built for community. You were built for intimacy with one another. You were built to come and be a people. And that's what Peter addresses today. In fact, if I ask you this morning, and we won't have time for responses, who are your people? I imagine if I just gave you a, a, you know, a, a, a piece of paper, you could start writing down who your people are. And I imagine it would come back with all kinds of different things. There would be certainly uh, your heritage. 
I'll never forget, my daughter and I were going to Moldova to do some mission work, and we had a, a layover in Munich for the day. And my oldest daughter, she's 5'9", she's blonde. And, uh, you know, a lot of times when we went to the Caribbean, she could tell, these are not my people. Okay? I don't look like them. We were there walking the streets of Munich, and she said, these are my people. <laughs> and they were kind of tall. They kind of had that, you know, the build that she had. And, the, and when we are German, that's our background. And so it was one of those, she goes, these are my people. And she felt at home, even though that was the first time that she had ever stepped foot on German soil. Sometimes it's going to go back and your people are going to be your immediate family. This is my family, my husband, my wife, my children, my mother, my father. And, and we're going to say, these are our people. Other times it's going to be your game. Remember in high school? Now this is either a wonderful thought for you or it's a really hard thought. I mean, really, seriously. Most stressful time in middle school where before they started assigning, I, I don't know if your school assigns lunchroom tables or not, but, uh, you know, when they were, before they were assigned, that could be the most stressful time of all for a middle schooler. Because you're sitting there, you get your tray, you're ready. Do you have a people to go sit with? Now, when you had a people to sit with, that was the best time of the day, except for the food. It was the best time of the day. I get to be with my people. 30 minutes. We can just kind of hang out. If you didn't have a people, if you didn't have a group to sit with, 30 minutes of pure torment, day after day after day, just hoping that maybe someone says, hey, come over here. Bobby, come over here. Sit with us. Hoping that somebody would say, hey, be people with us. Does that make sense to you? That somewhere deep down inside, God has kind of wired us up that we want to be a people. And, and here's the thing, guys. We will find a people, and it's not always very constructive, and sometimes it can be quite destructive, just to belong. You look at, and, and again, I don't have a lot of experience with inner city gangs, but just reading the research and stuff, they said that one of the things is that, you know, sometimes you do, you join up with a gang for survival, but the other one is because sometimes there's not a lot of fathers in the home and different things. They're looking just to be a people. Man, I'm just going to, I'm going to join this group. I know that there may be not, you know, a whole bunch of great advantages here as far as that they're just out there serving community, but I want to be a part of the people. This desire can be very constructive. It can be very destructive at times. And there's this longing that we have. And so this morning, Peter addresses that to the Christians. Now, let's do that quick review. He's writing this to Christians. And they're not all new Christians, but a lot of them are new Christians. He's writing them to Jews or Gentiles. I asked this last week, and you were kind of like, you have a 50-50 chance, okay? Jews or Gentiles make up most of the people that he's writing to. Which one? Gentiles, okay? These are not Jewish people. They're from Asia Minor. They do not have the, the Hebrew background, the Jewish background, but they are coming to know Christ, and so they are 100% Christian, but they do not have this spiritual heritage that goes back 1,500, 2,000 years, like others could say, hey, this Moses and Father Abraham and all those kind of things. And they were written, it was written to people that were in intense persecution. So you got all this going on, and yet look what Peter writes to them as a source of encouragement. Now, 
when I say encouragement, this isn't just, oh, I hope you have a better day. Let me give you some encouraging words. He builds this encouragement on truth. Remember last week we said good theology leads to good practice, and good practice hopefully is built upon good theology. There is a place of theology and build it on truth. And that's what Peter is doing here. He's building something that's going to be a practical encouragement to these people that are really suffering through the persecutions. They don't know if they're going to make it to the next week, if their families can be separated. They don't know what's going to happen day to day. And so Peter can't just come up and go, man, praying for you. Have a good day. Now, because let me give you something to build your encouragement on. And it wasn't the promise of safety. It was who they were in Christ Jesus. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. He does more than just say, hey guys, you, the church is praying for you, you're, you're part of this group. What he does in this, writing to Gentiles, he begins to use a lot of Hebraic illustrations, and a Hebraic heritage, royal priest. When you think of the royal, royal priesthood, do you think of the Gentiles? Do you think more of the Jewish people? They're the ones that had the priest, the high priest. And so he invites them back at least 1,500 years, we're going to see from some quotes in Deuteronomy, at least 1,500 years, if not 2,000 years, all the way back to Abraham. How many of you, when you were a kid, used to sing at camp, Father Abraham? And why did we do this with it? I don't know why we had to have emotions, but, you know, Father Abraham had many sons. And many sons had Father Abraham. And... I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Now, these are Christians. These are not Jewish. This was not Jewish camp, okay? So this wasn't us going, okay, with the, with the little, you know, hats on and the yarmulkes. And just, no, we're, we're sitting there at a Christian camp, and yet we're talking about Father Abraham. Why were we singing that song? Because the Christian heritage... And this is what we find out from Peter and from others. does not just happen in the New Testament, but it links all the way back to God's original plan and is calling out of these people from Israel. And that's what Peter does to these Gentiles. It's not summer camp. <laughs> and yet he says, guys, I, you know, can I lead you in a round of Father Abraham here? I want you to know that this heritage that you have it doesn't just go back one, you know, just a couple years to when Christ was here. I want you to know that when Christ comes in your life, that you go all the way back 1,500 years, that Abraham, Moses, that all those, that's part of your story. It's kind of what we find out on those DNA things. All of a sudden we get those results back. Man, I didn't know I had this heritage. Something that you were totally unaware of, and all of a sudden, well, I always wondered why I liked kilts. And you find out you got a little, you know, start, start wearing a kilt around the house. I know just because you found out you, you got a little bit of Scottish blood in you. Now, all of a sudden, you, you, there, there's something that happens because you find out that you're connected to these people and it goes back. And that's exactly what he does here. Now, why is Peter just making this stuff up? No, we're going to go back. Go back. To one of the, if you need to sleep at night and you can't fall asleep, Leviticus 
Numbers, Deuteronomy. Open to any of those books, read five minutes. If you last five minutes, you are snoozing, okay? It always seems, we always go, okay, what's so good about that? Let me show you this morning what's so good about that, okay? It's all there for a purpose. There's no idle word in the Bible whatsoever. And look, I, and I'll just pick out three because I, I could give you a lot more. Look at the repetition here of what we see in Deuteronomy, a book that most of us would never think about going back to and really doing a, a research of. But look what it says, Deuteronomy 7, 6. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to do what? To be a people for his treasured possession. We just sang this morning about treasure. Make us his treasure. I don't know if that's what the author, you know, the songwriters was thinking of this verse, but certainly it, it coincides perfectly on this. It says, okay, you're going to be the possession out of all the peoples on the face of the earth. God has chosen you. We read a little bit more, Deuteronomy 14.2. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God, and the Lord has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the people who are on the face of the earth. Almost word for word the same. Deuteronomy 26, verse 18 and 19. And the Lord has declared today that you are a people for his treasured possession and that he has promised you and that you are to keep all of his commandments and that he will set you in praise and in fame and in honor high above all nations that he has made and that you shall be a people holy to the Lord your God as he promised. I could give you others there's in there and some of them are quite repetitive. But what we see is that Peter goes back and he says, okay, I want to hook you to this 1500, 1800s, almost 2000 years of history. I want you to know that even though you're a brand new Christian and Christ just passed away, you know, just a couple decades ago, I want you to know that your heritage, your spiritual heritage, the plan of God for the ages, you're a part of that. Now, what difference does it make, guys, in your life? When somebody's able to take you past the trouble of the day, the persecution of the day, the stress of the day, and give you a bigger perspective. It doesn't make that problem go away, but it sure does put it in perspective. And I believe that's what Peter's doing. He couldn't promise them that they weren't going to bust down the house. He couldn't promise them that they wouldn't be one of those Christians that would be lining the party site of one of the Roman rulers and they would light them, dip them in, in wax and light them on fire to use them as human torches. That stuff was happening. And he couldn't promise that that wasn't going to happen. But he could do this. He said, I can take this present stress, this dilemma that you have, this persecution that you're facing, this unknown quality, and let me put some parameters around it. Let me let you know that, man, God has a plan for you that started long, long ago. In fact, if we're really theologically correct, the Bible says before the foundation of the world. Did you know that that's what the Bible says about your salvation? No, Bobby, I think it happened in 1978. I was 12 years old, and this happened. And the Bible says, not just in the foreknowledge of God, but in the plan of God, that before the foundation of the world, before there was even sin, God has a plan for a Savior. And Peter brings them back, and he widens their perspective. This is a really big deal to Peter. Because have you ever felt like you were in an add-on 
and a group of four people are going to go to the game, they see that you're all by yourself, come on. And there's a part of that you're going, good. For tonight, will y'all be my people? And there's a part of that going, okay, I am the fifth well. <laughs> there's a part of me that feels like, you know, since I wasn't in the original plan, y'all have been planning to go to this for two weeks. And you saw me over there going, I don't have anything to do tonight. And you invited me out of your kindness, out of your generosity, and you invited me. And yet, would you not agree if that was you, that as excited as you would be to, to, have, to be a people that night, that there's a tendency when it comes kind of late in the action that you feel like you're the add-on? Peter goes, man, I don't want you to think for a second that you're an add-on. How don't you think for a second that all those people that have this Old Testament grounding are superior to you as you walk in Christ today? Had a lady at a church, not this church, another church. And something came up in the church and she was trying to prove her point. And her proof was, well, I'm a charter member. Everything within me, I can really be a smart aleck if the flesh gets to me. <laughs> and and I, want, I wanted to say, and so? And I really wanted to say, and so you should be much more mature then than all of our new believers. And so as we go through this, you should be leading the way into making all this work out. That's not really why she was using that term. She was using that term going, This is what I want. This is inconvenient to me. And I want you to know I am a charter member. In other words, I was here before you. When most churches, the people are there before the pastor. Folks, Peter is tying us into a past. He's tying us, and he's not doing it so that we can start slinging around there. I'm this, and we can do this in a private way. He says, look, I want you to know that you have this deep heritage. You're not an add-on. Now, watch what Peter does here. He does not include these new Christians as add-ons, and he doesn't include them as secondary in their relationship. Look again at verse 9. But you are a chosen race. We just saw in all those passages in Deuteronomy, time and time again, God chose, God chose, God chose. This was all initiated out of the heart and the mind and the grace of God. He's the one that did the choosing. The Israelites were not there. Please understand this. Abraham did not wake up one morning going, you know, I just really want to abandon all that I've had of my family and everything else, and I want to go follow God and be this great guy for God. Now, he was a good guy, and yet Abraham is just living his life until the day that God opens the door to Abraham and invites him into God's story. Not Abraham going, God, I have a story and I want you to be a part of it. Please understand that. That none of us can, none of us really invited God in one way, theologically speaking. None of us invited God. I know it seemed like when you were 11 or you're 14 or 15, but you made that decision and it seemed like you were coming to God. No, he's the one that by his spirit opened your eyes to the beauty of the gospel. He's the one that drew you in. None of us come to God. This is scripture. None of us come to God except that he would call us and that he shows us. 
And so Peter here says, look, you're a chosen people. And then he goes on, because we've already covered that a little bit. That could be a sermon all by itself, what that means, a chosen race. Then he says, you're a royal priesthood. Now, this would have been really, really important to the Jewish people. The priests were the ones that did two things. They connected the people to God, and they connected God to the people. They were kind of the intermediary. And so they had special duties, and some of those duties were like to take the animals and to sacrifice them so that there would be that covering of sin until the time of Christ. And remember that the priest, depending on how high you up in the priesthood, you could go into certain places that other people couldn't go into. Today, you can go into really any place that you want to in the church. But if this would have been back in the Jewish times, there would have been a part of the temple that only the priest could go into. And then there was another part of the temple, the Holy of Holies, that only once a year the high priest would go into. And even then they would tie a rope to his leg so that if for some reason he wasn't right with God or God's wrath was upon them, they could pull out his dead body. But it was a great honor to, 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 to be able to lead. In worship. And the priests could do that. And so they had this group of people that you had to be a priest in order to do that. In order to do that. Here, look what he's doing. He says, okay, new Christians, Gentile Christians with no Jewish background, you are a royal priesthood. I want you to know, man, there's nowhere in the church you can't go. That when Christ died in the temple, that that curtain ripped. I want you to know that because of his finished work, man, you have full entrance. It's both a practical and it's both a theological. Now, you don't have to go to a priest, guys, to have remission of your sin. You don't have to go to confession. Sometimes confession is good for the soul because it brings somebody in there. So sometimes we do go and we have accountability with one another. But we don't have to do that in order to feel like we have had our sins forgiven. Why? Because this thing that we call the priesthood of the believer. And in the New Testament, because you put your faith in the finished work of Christ, he said, man, you go directly to God. The other thing that we see here, kings were not allowed to be priests in the Old Testament. Uzziah tried that. You can go back and read in 2 Chronicles 26. didn't work out real good. Kings were not allowed to be priests. But what does he call them here? What's his terminology? Royal priesthood. Jesus Christ is the first king priest. Now he says, Jerry, royal priesthood. King, you're royalty and you're a priest. Bruce, you, you put your faith in Christ. You are royalty, and that comes with privilege. And you're also priests. You can go directly in. And he opens up and he said, I want you to understand what kind of people you are. As royalty, you have standing with the king. As priests, you have audience and access to Christ. In one way, have we so assumed that in this day and time, that it's not novelty, that it's just novelty to us? See, here, this would not have been novelty to these new Christians. They would have, there would have been every temptation to feel like they were the fifth will, that they were the add-on. Well, those Jewish people kind of felt bad for us, so they kind of included us in, come on, you new guys. And he says, no, I'm going to take you all the way back. You are these people. Then he calls them a holy nation. If you are in Christ this morning, if there's been a time, not I went to church or I've come to church this many times, if there's a time in your life 
when you realized your own sinfulness and that you serve, that there's a holy God and that that holy God cannot really have relationship with you because of that sinfulness. And you said, okay, but he provided this gift for me, his only son to die in my place and to take all of my sins and he placed them. When you believe the gospel that Christ died for you, then this is who you are now. You are a holy nation. Not you will be a holy nation. This is who you are. Your current citizenship is in heaven. And that's why he keeps on coming back and says, right now you're an alien. And he's not trying to be offensive with that. He's just saying, this is not your home. And he keeps on visiting that back and forth, back and forth. This is what he means, your holy nation. Uh, And he says, this new identifier trumps all your old ways of identifying with people. Let me make this real practical, guys. This is going to be offensive to some. This is, some of you are going to disagree. That's fine. I'll stand on the word of God. My identity is not that I'm a conservative versus a liberal, even though I have conservative thoughts. My identity is not that I'm a Republican over a Democrat because I voted for this guy or that guy. My, when I'm a Christian, if I really understand that, it's not that all of a sudden you become void of all these other things that maybe you have leanings and thoughts and even really strong thoughts about, but you're, what trumps it all, no pun intended, <laughs> that, that is not what I wanted to say at all. My identity is in Jesus Christ and Christ. And, and that, that should be my number one priority. Here's my heart, guys. We live in an America that's probably more divided now than certainly in the time that I can remember, okay? And we allow that division. Now, again, well, yeah, but I'm on the right side. Certainly morality, certainly biblical teaching guides us. I would not apologize whatsoever when I think that uh, aborting anybody is wrong because the Bible says you value life. I'm going to stand on the word of God. But, folks, that's not a Republican thing. It's not a concern thing. It's a God thing. That's my identity. And so all of a sudden, just to understand that as we come upon this very complex day of living when people are really choosing sides, are you them or them? Are you that or that? that we have a ready response. Man, I'm in Christ Jesus. And I get confused and I get overwhelmed at times, but the word of God is going to be my basis. And I'm praying for guidance every day because he's my identifier. He says, you're a holy nation. He says that in present tense. This is not a future rendering that one day when you get in heaven, you're going to be this holy nation. No, you are a holy nation now. You are a called out people now. And this is our prime identity. In the New Testament, this really had, we think that we live in a very divided place now and people are kind of, you know, very sure about their convictions and what they want. I don't know that we can really understand fully how divided the Old Testament, I mean, New Testament times were when it came to to Jews and Greeks, when it came to men and women, when it came to slave and free. And yet, look what the Apostle Paul says. Look, look what it says. Galatians 3, 27, 28. For as many 
of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Here's your new identifier. And then he goes on and he says, there is neither Jew nor Greek. Now, did Jewishness and Greekness stop? I mean, did they cease to exist on planet Earth? No. But for that Christian, did it matter now that I was Jew or that I was Greek? There's now neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's no male or female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Do you get that? It's hard for us to really kind of embrace how drastic that was. But those were fighting words when Paul wrote them for a lot of people. Paul, you just don't understand. There's a heritage here. You don't understand. You're you're playing with a a politics. You're playing with this. You're playing with... No, he says, man, I just know that I'm in Christ and he's my new identifier. I'm a part of a holy nation. And now, instead of being separate in these things, we are together. We are a people in these things. Christianity is drastic. It can be quite caustic, but it's, it's drastic. And it's calling upon our lives. As Christians, our Christ is our identity. That doesn't mean that we don't have personal convictions about this or that and the other and, and different things that are going on in the world. Folks, you can have those convictions. My prayer is that you always ground them in the Scripture and that the Scripture is always leading you. And then when the Scripture leads you, I think you can be very firm and yet we're to be very, very respectful. We're not to be divisive. The, the Bible tells us that time and time again. And I'm not just saying, let's hold hands and everybody sing kumbaya and can't we all just get along. No, what I'm saying is when you understand that your identity is in Jesus Christ, all of a sudden it's going to raise you to a place where all of a sudden anything that maybe you would take in a prideful way, formally, you would take this attack, that should subside because now you're in Christ. Let's move on. First Peter 2.9. Let's look at the last part of that verse. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. And here's your purpose, that you may pro- proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into this marvelous light. This is our heartbeat. This is our identity. This is our union. This is what we have to recognize about the old nature and about the old flesh. That I want to hold on to some of the things that Bobby really thought was important instead of those things that Christ deemed important. Maybe even I hold on to the same things, but it's the attitude in which I do them. Can we be real honest? Even in the church? Honestly, if if we had it our way, guys, we would probably want to go to church with people that were pretty much like us. I mean, we really would. If we, if we, if we, to sing the songs that we like to sing. I don't like that song. Somebody over here, man, my favorite song. They did my favorite song this morning. I've always said that one of the most sanctifying things that, that is the work of sanctification happening in the life of a Christian is marriage. It really is. You want God to work on your pride and your humanity and your flesh and all that? Get married and love in the way that biblically we're called to love and forgive and support and surrender to one another, submit to one another, and, and it calls for a changing, a transforming of this mind in Romans 12, 1 and 2, unlike anything else. But I would put this as probably a close second. 
modern-day church. Not the invisible church universal, but the, the, the church. There's a part of me. Church would be kind of easy if everybody was exactly like me and kind of thought like I did. I mean, it'd be easy to pastor that church. Everybody said, man, those three songs this morning are favorite songs. Mine too. You're preaching for two hours, Bobby? Man, I love that. I love how you get up for, for two hours and preach. Me too. And the fact is, we're really different guys. Not just north, south, east, west, black, white, Asian, Hispanic, this, that, and the other. And yet, is this not the most incredible thing in the world? That a diverse people that have a lot of different thoughts, a lot of different backgrounds, Midwesterners and Southerners and Northerners and and People from California can all come. <laughs> and because Christ is our union, man, we're a people. You walk in this door and you're part of a people. Is this not the most incredible thing you've ever seen? And that's what Peter's trying to say. He said, hey guys, I know you're facing persecution. I know you feel like some way that you could be an add-on. I know you feel like everybody else has 1,500 years, 1,800 years of history and that you're just now coming to Christ, and you're walking in baby footsteps in Christianity, I want you to know, man, you are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation by God's own choosing. And your heritage goes back before the foundation of the world. And I will take slave and free, and I will take black and white, and I will take male and female, and I will take the rich, and I will take the poor, and I will make them one people. That's church, folks. That's church. And we are privileged. We are privileged when we attend church with people that are different than we are. Verse 10, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So man, not one of you earned this. Nobody was here first. In one way, you may be a charter member of a church, but you're not a charter member of Christianity, okay? Man, I just said, come in. There's something in your heart that longs to be part of a people. And Christ says to you this morning, man, come be part of a people. Well, some people act different. They think differently. They actually have different beliefs. They have this. So no, you come. And I'll give you a, a, a commonness to be able to be a people. You'll still have your individuality, but you'll have one thing that binds you together. And what does he point to? Time after time after time. The songs? No. The, the style of clothes? No. The, the economic level of the people? The, the uh, ethnic heritage that we have? No, he points to one thing. He says, here's the one thing I'm going to build my entire church on, Jesus Christ. And that's what's in common. And now you're part of this holy nation. We are the most privileged of people today, guys. Most privileged of people. To be among diversity. And when we say that word, we think of a lot of human terms, but, but probably the hardest human terms to deal with in diversity is people that are just different from you. Now, now get this. God doesn't call 
for all of us to vacation together. There's some people I go to church with. Not in this church. I'd go on vacation with all of y'all. But if it was another church, there'd be, you know, you'd have, okay, Carly, they asked us to go on vacation. What are we going to do that week instead? (laughs) See, God doesn't call you and say, okay, you have to be best bosom buddies. But he said, look, because of Christ, a genuine love for one another, a genuine understanding that you're one people. Does that make sense? I don't want to belittle this community that he's building. At the same time, I, I want us to understand that we're really different people. And there's some people that you're going, okay, and we just sat down 30 minutes for supper with them. That's enough. That's enough. <laughs> and it's not that they're, you're right and they're wrong. I mean, maybe in your mind you guys, it's just that you're different. And you know, what an amazing thing that God would take all these different people. He would center them all on Christ, this cornerstone that we talked about last week. And he says, now you're a holy nation. You weren't a people, but now because of Christ and God's own choosing, you are a people. Most marvelous thing in the world. As you go out this week, be mindful of this, guys. Middle school was hard enough. And there was that tense 30 minutes. Will my people be there? Will there be a place at me at the table? And for some of us, we can look back and say, yeah, there's, I always had a place. I always had a place. I always had my people, my gang. But my heart goes out. My heart really goes out. To that was the 30 minutes of pure, pure tournament, Monday through Friday, because you didn't have a people. And I realized, folks, that we grow on and we become 30 and 40 and 50 and 60 and 70. But I'm telling you this. When you don't have a people, sometimes church can be that hour. It's not 30 minutes, but it can be that hour of poor, pure torment because I want it to be part of a people. And yet I don't feel like I'm part of a people. What a high calling we have. Not to agree with everybody. Not to be bosom buddies. Not to everybody. Hey, we're all going on vacation. Craig's paying. You know, <laughs> no, that, that we would that we would love each other in Christ, and that we would realize that those things that we have in common in Christ far outweigh all these other things that would differentiate us, and that these differences actually are part of God's working on us, so that we could actually become more and more like Him. We're going to close today. Instead of our regular reflection song, uh, Sidewalk Prophets has, has this song called Come to the Table. And it's a wonderful song. We've actually sang it here, but I like the video. And so this is going to be kind of our final prayer today. And uh, for us to watch this, just to, to kind of meditate on it, uh, to me it's a beautiful display of the theological principles that we've covered today. So guys, if you'd play that for us. And then I'll close this in prayer at the end. Uh, Revelation 21.3. You know, that's uh, right before the Bible closes out. By this time, Satan has been cast into permanently into hell. The, the saints are in, in heaven forevermore. 
this new heaven and this new earth. And right before it starts talking about there will be no more crying, no more pain, and all that that we're very familiar with. This is the verse that, that precedes that. And I heard a loud voice from the throne. I love that, a loud voice from the throne. In other words, this is a voice of authority from the throne. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. There's going to be a day that we're going to be sitting at the table, guys. Every tribe, every nation, every people. I love Alistair Begg is one of my favorite uh, uh, preachher's. And you know how we used to uh, sing, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. He said, in reality, if we just really examine our hearts, I'm surprised you're a part of the family of God. <laughs> and he says, we need to put that aside. you know. And then we have to realize that the mercy and the grace of God has called us to be a people. So this morning... Uh, Thank you for the privilege of gathering. You know, I'm part of this holy nation, and there's, I'm a part of the, the invisible church, the church at large, all Christians all over the world. But I'm sure glad I can be a part of this people that he, that he puts right here in CS, that we get to be a part of a family right here. And we're imperfect, and we will not always agree, and we will not always, you know, feel like uh, we want to go on vacation with everybody else. But God has called us to be a people. And we are the most blessed of all people because of that. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you. Father, send us out into a world that, uh, Father, help us to recognize those people that are just looking to be part of a people. And that, Father, that we would tell them of this good news that has changed our life. And that, Father, that we would uh, begin to understand that, uh, Father, just the love that they need and that we would love one another as you've commanded us. Father, thank you that you have given us uh, these marching orders. You've said in verse 9, that, that we're to, to make much, we're to declare your mercies, Father, that in this darkness that we're going to talk about this wonderful light that you have brought into our lives. And so, Father, you've commissioned us this very week to go out into a world that is really full of darkness. And, Father, to, to be lights and to speak of this light that was Christ Jesus. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening today. We hope this message was a blessing to you. To learn more about our church or our media ministry, you can visit us online at www.corner-stone.org or find us on Facebook.